Welcome to the Fanner Podcast, your go-to source for insights and discussions about nuclear regulation and safety. In this exciting episode, we are thrilled to introduce our distinguished guest, Director General William Magwood. An esteemed figure in the nuclear sector, Director General Magwood has a wealth of experience and expertise. His deep understanding of nuclear technology combined with a commitment to advancing global nuclear safety standards makes him a visionary leader in the field. Join us as we delve into an insightful conversation with DG Magwood, exploring the latest developments and challenges in the nuclear sector. DG Magwood, welcome to FANR. Um, you've been with the um, NEA since 2014 and been a commissioner at the NRC between 2010 to 2014 and worked as a director of the U.S. government civilian energy program at the DOE, where you have witnessed the evolution of the nuclear industry in the past decade. How would you describe the global nuclear energy scene today? Well, I would describe it as almost unprecedented. Um, you know, I, I think you probably have to go back to the beginning of the commercial nuclear era, back to the late 50s, early 60s, to find um, the level of enthusiasm, the level of interest in nuclear energy technology, such as we see today. Um, it's very broad. It's very deep. It's on every continent of the world. And um, it comes at just the right time because this interest rises just as new technologies are coming to the market that make nuclear energy perhaps even more accessible than it has been in the past. So it's a, it's a tremendously exciting time with a lot of potential, but you know, with a lot of challenges ahead as well. Um, the um, NE has uh, been a key partner of the UAE since 2009, and FANR has been working closely with multiple any committees and departments that was instrumental in supporting uh, the UE nuclear program, such as Atlas Three Project, Harder Project, besides other working groups like the Safety Culture and Public Communication and others. Briefly, let us um, discuss the close relationship between the UAE mm-hmm. and the NEA. To what extent the UAE contributed to the NEA's mission and mandate as they have benefited from the NEA's benefited uh, and uh, programs since they have joined? Well, I find the UAE to be a very important partner. Uh, When we look at um, our membership, we're highly concentrated uh, with the countries that have long experience in nuclear technology, such as uh, many European countries in North America with Canada, U.S. Um, Argentina is a member. um, And and we, of course, have members in Asia, such as Korea and Japan, uh, but uh, we we had, until we began working with UAE, we had no connection in the Middle East, uh, an extraordinarily important part of the world, uh, where many countries are thinking about nuclear energy technology. Um, so when UAE embarked on its nuclear program, we were very anxious to engage, and it's proven to be a very important relationship for many reasons. Uh, one is that the UAE program has been extraordinarily successful. And that success, I think, is an extraordinarily important symbol for other countries um, because of the um, the interest in meeting the climate objectives that countries have set for themselves um, to have increased energy security. They're looking at nuclear, many countries, for the first time in, in decades. And the positive example of a country that has successfully deployed nuclear power plants 
um, and yet cost and schedule objectives, I think it's just essential um, for to give people confidence that we can do this because, as you know, uh, there are all, all too many examples of projects around the world that have run into problems and cost overruns. Um, it doesn't have to be that way, and Baraka shows that. Well, I'm glad uh, to hear that. Um, did you, Magwood, you've been a strong advocate of promoting nuclear education and the development of young professionals and empowering women in the field of uh, nuclear through workshops and mentorship programs. And this is uh, evident when you established the uh, Idaho National Laboratory, created activities that reverse the decline of U.S. nuclear technology education. We know for a fact that the current workforce of this industry is aging, and the industry is in a massive demand for young professionals to work in this industry, taking into account increased interest in nuclear power across the world. How should the industry address this challenge, knowing the expected growth and development of nuclear energy across the world? It's a really, really very good question. And one of the conclusions I've come to is that um, this is not simply a nuclear issue. Um, in many countries, there are actually not enough children, you know, because birth rates are, are so low in OECD countries that there, there aren't even enough children um, to fill the, the science and technology positions. Never looked at that um, It's really something we started to run into as we've gone from country to country and talk about this issue. So there's, so there's, there's fewer children, and then with the children that do go to, um, to school and university often find that there's easier directions to take than science and technology careers. You know, engineering is hard. Um, maybe it's a little easier to get a business degree or some other direction and you can still make a good living. And so what we need to do as a society is convince young people that uh, the young people that are there, uh, convince them that science and technology careers are, are exciting and will benefit society. And then some percentage of those, we will want to t- convince them that nuclear careers could be a path for them. And so we recognize that this isn't just simply something industry can do itself. It's really an all-society challenge. Um, the NEA is doing some things that, to help and try to set, the, set the path and set the direction, but we really have to convince more young people to go into science and technology in general. And um, I think that it's not just the industry, but I think universities, I think governments should be reaching out to, um, to young children, even at the pre-high school level, to talk about science and technology careers and, can, and show them um, the excitement of, of discovery and, uh, and of bringing new ideas to, to life through engineering. Um, that's, the, that's what we need to do as a society around the world, and I'm sort of hopeful that we'll be able to do that, because if we don't, um, the human capacity challenges are just going to get worse instead of better. Um, let's hope we find a solution for that. It's, you know, the NEA is um, planning to participate in this year's COP28 hosted in the United Arab Emirates and, work, and working closely with, the, with their partners, including the OEA, in launching different initiatives to address the issue of climate change. Can you tell us more about the NEA's plan at this year's COP28 and what they intend to get out of it? Well, um, this may surprise you, but um, I've never been to a COP. Um, I know many of my colleagues have been going to the COP meetings over the course of the last several years, 
And quite frankly, in my view, there really wasn't enough nuclear discussion to make it worth it for me to go. Um, my staff has gone to a couple of COPs, but um, until this COP, COP28 in, in, in UAE, um, I just didn't think it was worth it uh, for me. Um, but I can see that the time has come. Um, the world has changed in many ways, and I do expect that nuclear energy will be central to many of the discussions in this particular COP. Um, we are going to be participating, and I personally participate in many um, high-level sessions. Uh, some are hosted by the presidency, by the UAE. Uh, some are pre hosted by countries like France, the United States, Korea, Great Britain. And we'll be focusing on issues like financing. Um, we're, in fact, we're cooperating with ENEC to do a financing um, event that will be very interesting. Um, and we are going to be um, present in many of these um, because we have done analysis that shows um, the kinds of directions we need to take as a, as a society and as a nuclear sector to be successful, and we're going to present this information. Um, in addition, we will be uh, launching our Accelerating SMRs to Net Zero initiative um, to have um, governments and industry um, work with us um, to solve the issues that still remain to get SMRs um, into the market as quickly as possible. So we have a lot of ambitions for this particular COP, and I hope it is not um, just a one-time thing. I hope it's the beginning of a long chain of events that will help us reach our objectives around the world. Um, Mr. DG, speaking about SMRs, the, the, the topic of interest is the question about new technologies. SMRs, modern reactors, AI, has been a constant topic in every single venue for the past few years, and for different reasons. The IEA, the NEA, WANO, and many other organizations have been very active in recent years to prepare for it and to ensure they're ready to influence this new uh, field. Do you think it is late or that the industry has been more proactive and innovative in the revolution over the years about the topic? And do you think those new technologies will solve the challenges of energy uh, for countries in need? Or is it hard to predict and, and not enough research has been to prove its worth? Um, it's an interesting question. And I, I think that the answer to your question is, is it late? Um, of course it's late. Um, because um, as a global society, our, our desire to reduce CO2 emissions to net zero is far behind schedule. Um, I would, if, we, if this were 10 years ago, I would think we were in decent shape. But, you know, we are where we are, and we have to take the challenge as it is presented to us. Um, the global community um, has set a target in net zero by 2050 for, for most countries, not all countries, but most. Um, and that goal will be extraordinarily difficult to meet um, under the best circumstances. And if nuclear doesn't play a large role, um, it's probably, in my view, it may very likely be impossible to me. Um, obviously, not everyone agrees with that, but I think the analysis that we have done and many others have done shows that it would be very, very difficult to go without um, a major contribution for nuclear. Um, and um, the gap between where we are today and what we're planning to do and what would be necessary to reach net zero um, is pretty significant. And what takes very, very concerted governmental actions around the world um, to resolve this um, it is it is possible, 
but it requires um, decisions to be made very quickly. It means like COP28 and, and commitments to be made and action to be taken. And I think we all spend too much time talking about these things instead of actually making them happen. And that is something that um, I hope changes very quickly. Uh, Mr. DG, the, the organizations like FANA, for instance, um, uh, appreciates the, the contribution of NEA to, to our organization as a whole, um, building a capacity, enhancing a knowledge, and allowing us to contribute to the scientific community through, re- through research as well. Um, the NEA has been very active um, during your period, during your tenure, um, and, and has, has achieved several milestones. Um, my question is, what is your future vision for the NEA? You know, I, when I came to the NEA, um, it was a relatively uh, quiet organization that worked on very narrow technical issues. And it was certainly my belief that we had to do um, more um, to be useful to our member countries. And in particular, to recognize that all these issues are interrelated and, and that they all have uh, cross-cutting um, characteristics. So it was very important to recognize that there's interactions between, for example, SMRs and human factors and nuclear waste. They aren't three separate issues. They're, they have to be resolved together. And so um, you know, my vision for the NEA is to have the flexibility and the ability uh, to bring these different pieces together um, to solve real problems, not theoretical problems, and to help our member countries deploy the technologies that they need in order to uh, meet their goals for the environment and for energy security. And that requires a great deal of flexibility. It requires a great deal of creativity. And hopefully the NEA is moving in a direction where it can be of service in that direction. I think for any international organization, um, if if you are simply satisfied with the status quo, um, your usefulness is going to evaporate very quickly. So adaptability and flexibility um, and the ability to work across boundary lines will be very, very important. Uh, I think the last thing I would say is having partners all over the world is very important. Um, We have a very difficult geopolitical situation these days. It makes it harder to work across borders than it used to be. Um, But I think that it is really um, essential that we in the nuclear sector reach across those borders as much as we possibly can and to work together uh, to solve common issues because we are in one global world. Uh, We are one nuclear society, whether we talk to each other or not. And um, as we've often said, an accident anywhere is an accident everywhere. And so it's essential that we share information on nuclear safety and technology and as, these, as new technologies come across, um, to be prepared to understand what's going on on a global basis. So that's what the role the NEA can serve, and hopefully um, we'll continue to do that well into the future. Uh, DJ Magadu, as we uh, try to know more about you and as, as we read about uh, who William Magwood is, um, it came to my attention that you, you have a Master's of Fine Arts from the University of Pittsburgh. And... I, I had the privilege of attending a meeting with you yesterday, um, and in the meeting, you you spoke about the importance of diversifying your your, your you know your your knowledge, um, exploring other disciplines. How does how did the masters of fine arts influence 
your field of work within the nuclear industry as a physician as well? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting question. And I think when I look back at my time and my career, um, the, the ability, my, fine, my sort of fine arts degree is in writing. Um, so I've, I think I'm a pretty good communicator when it comes to putting ideas across. And being able to put ideas across to people who aren't necessarily uh, technical experts. Um, when I first moved to Washington, um, I did a lot of work to translate uh, technical concepts to people in Congress, for example, who needed to understand things. And I, I think I still do that. I, you know, I meet with ministers and leaders around the world, and <clears throat> if they don't understand what we're talking about, we won't make much progress. So um, <clears throat> I think my background with, with the writing has been very useful, and I, I think that um, we in the sector have to communicate more effectively with the public, with policymakers, and with others. And, um, you know, if we have more people with more writing degrees and more fine arts degrees, maybe we'd be more successful in the nuclear sector. Well, um, I, I thank you for um, <coughs> the inspirational talk. And um, before we conclude this uh, podcast, uh, DG Magwood, uh, do you have any further comments for our audience? Um, I would simply say this. I, I think that for everyone in the nuclear sector, um, it's very important that we do whatever we can to encourage the next generation. Um, everyone at Fanner, at ENEC, and others, um, if all the engineers and scientists in those organizations um, took some time and went to a high school to talk to young people, went to a grade school to talk to young people, uh, went to the universities to connect with the students there, um, I think we would have a very, very bright future in, in the nuclear sector because if we aren't doing this, if we aren't reaching out to the next generation and telling them about why we're so excited to be working in this sector, who do you think will do it? It has to be us. It has to be Fanner. It has to be ENEC. It has to be the NEA. And so I encourage everyone listening, um, find that time and go talk to some children and go talk to young people and tell them why you do what you do and why you're excited by it. Um, maybe one of those uh, people you talk to uh, will become the person who solves the world's nuclear waste issues in the future or, or some other um, technology challenge. Um, but if we don't do that, uh, we won't have enough engineers and scientists to solve these problems in the future. So I encourage everyone, make that contribution and go, go find a kid to talk to. T.J. Magwood, thank you for joining us today. It was uh, a very interesting talk, and um, I uh, wish you all the best in your uh, endeavors. Thank you very much. It's my great pleasure. I look forward to visiting you again in the near future. Thank you. Thank you.